You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Great to have you here. Great to have all the folks joining us. Grace Online, we are live this morning. Thanks for connecting in with us as we are starting a new year. Pretty exciting, huh? New year before us. 2020 is gone. We're in 2021. And what I believe is God has great things for us. Listen, I live my life every day believing that God is bringing his goodness not only for me but for you. Pray for you on a daily basis for God's goodness. And so we're excited about this year that's before us. Before we jump into the message, I want to take an opportunity to lead you in a point of prayer. As you would know, we have this whole COVID issue that's playing out. We have two worship team members that were not present today out with COVID. We have four staff members out with COVID. How many of you have family members or friends, someone you know, who are down with COVID right now? Yeah, probably connected to someone. But we just want to pray this way. What we believe is that God's our healer. Amen? Not only is there provision in the cross for the salvation of our souls, but the Scripture also says, by His stripes we have been healed. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Scripture says, is any sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church. Let's put our faith together and pray. So for our staff members, for maybe family members, I know I have some friends who are, man, they're just in a tough place right now physically with this COVID. So can you just join me? Let's just pray for God's healing provision. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, for the wonder of salvation, for the provision of the cross, God, for your provision for the healing of our bodies. Lord, we're grateful for the medical community, God, but what we know is that you're our healer. You're our, you're our provider. So Lord, we look to you today. We respond to your invitation. Lord, will you say, come and ask? And so, Lord, we ask today for worship team members, for staff members, for family members, for friends. Lord, we ask that you would bring healing for their bodies, Lord, that their recovery would be quick, that you would energize their physical bodies, Lord, that this uh, the effects of this virus would be gone from their bodies, Lord, that they would be back on their feet, active, well, um, and strengthened in their physical bodies. Lord, we ask not only that, but Lord, we pray for our community today, for our state, for our nation. Lord, that this whole pandemic would, would just quickly move, um, Lord, out of our region. And Lord, just that you would bring, God, uh, your power, your provision. God, we ask that you be merciful today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, grab your Bibles this morning. Look with me to the book of Haggai. Uh, some of you haven't been there in a while. The best way to find it is uh, go to Matthew and back up about three books into the Old Testament. As we are coming into this new year, like every other new year that we've come to, this year is going to be filled with opportunity and challenge. Now, I can't, I don't have like the glass ball, I don't have this full understanding of what's going to happen in the new year, but I can tell you that we will have both opportunity and challenge. And how you respond to the opportunity and the challenge will, to a great degree, shape the outcome of the opportunity or the challenge that you face. We can either live with a bias to action or a bias to excuse. Bias to action. Think about your life. For those watching online, would you say evaluating your life, you live more with a bias to action, or is there this unhealthy tendency to have a bias to excuse? So how many would say um, have a bias to action? How many would say you have a bias to excuse? How many would say you're somewhere in between? Uh, I think we all have a tendency from time to time to have 
a bias to excuse. You know, one of the things I've discovered about us humans is that we're pretty good at making excuses if there's something that we don't want to do that we know we should do. Like we can come up with all kinds of reasons that we should not take action or take responsibility. Recently, I came across a humorous story of a husband and wife who arose one Sunday morning. The wife was all up busy re- getting ready for church. Uh, and it was just about time to leave for church. And she noticed that her husband hadn't done like anything to get ready to go to church. So she's a bit per- perplexed. And she says, why are you not getting ready for church? And he says, because I don't want to go. And she asked, well, do you have reasons for why, why you don't want to go to church? He says, yeah, yes, I do. He says, actually, I have three reasons. So there's a first, the congregation's code. Second, no one likes me. And third, I, I just don't want to go. The wife responded, well, honey, I have three good reasons why you should go. First, the congregation's warm. Second, there's a few people who like you. And third, you're the pastor, so get dressed. <laughs> Isn't that great? And we're all prone, we're all prone to make excuses. Like, do you ever catch yourself making excuses when things don't like, go entirely your way? Do you ever find yourself making excuses and neglecting responsibility for our the events, the circumstances of your life. Like these are subtle signs that may signify you're living a life of excuses. And these excuses subsequently prevent you from living life to your full potential, of of living out that of God's direction for your life. So so what are excuses? Let Let me give you kind of just a definition of excuses. Excuses are rationalizations we make to ourselves about people, events, and circumstances. They are invented reasons that we create to defend our behavior, to postpone taking action, or simply as a means of neglecting responsibility. So excuses are are mainly a means of placing the blame of an internal problem on an external condition. Internal problem being what? Don't get all righteous on me this morning. The internal problem is what? Yeah, it's us. It's you. There's an internal problem, and we're blaming it on an external condition. That becomes the state of our excuse. And the challenge becomes, when we have a bias to excuse, we get stuck. We get stuck in excuse, and we get stuck in life. We're going to see this reality playing out for the people of God in the book of Haggai. We're going to discover that that God's giving them some clear directives, but they have like this whole bucket full of excuses that had them stuck. Like life was not going well for them, and the root of the problem, the root of the problem for the Israelites was their disobedience that was disguised as their excuses. Disobedience, not doing what God had directed, disguised behind this thing of excuse. The Jewish people, as we come to this story, they were experiencing hardship and famine and frustration. And here's the reason. They had chosen to go their own way rather than go God's way. They had chosen to elevate their agenda above God's agenda. Rather than, being direct, rather than following the directive that God had given, they had, again, this whole pile of excuses. And what we're going to find as we look through their story is they were stuck. It was stuck in a place that was not a good place, not a happy place. You know, I think today we have the same problem the Jewish people had in, in Haggai's day. The common misconception we have as Christ followers is that we can choose our own way and still live in God's favor. 
I think it's a problem in the church today. It's a problem in how we process and how we think. We think we can choose to do our own thing and at the same time experience God's blessing in our lives. And in that, we're deceived. We think we can choose to make excuses rather than being obedient and experience God's work in our lives. And what we're going to discover in this study, the book of Haggai, is that this process of thinking like it didn't work for the Israelites and it will not work for you today. It will not work for the church today. See, if we want to experience God's blessing, then now is the time to align ourselves to this, to his will and to his way. Now is the time to confront our excuses and to move to action and move toward obedience. That's the challenge we find in the book of Haggai. It's a, it's a little prophetic book that's full of pertinent information, I believe, for our present day. Interesting, this book was written about 2,500 years ago. So we're going back into history, yet it's amazing how pertinent it is to the reality of, I think, where the church is at today, where we're at today. And, and in other words, there's truth that the prophet Haggai is bringing that's relevant to where you live. But what's interesting is as we find ourselves, the when we're a different time, we have the same problem. Different time Yet we find ourselves oftentimes doing the same thing that the children of Israel were doing that had them stuck. Now let me give you just a little bit of background information that will be helpful as we look to the book of Haggai that kind of sets the context. The children of Israel, as a result of their rebellion, as a result of their sin, were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And they spent 70 years away from their homeland. 70 years they were in captivity as a result of their rebellion. In 538 B.C., a Persian king by the name of King Cyrus freed the Jewish people to go back to their homeland to reestablish worship, to rebuild the temple, to reestablish worship in Jerusalem, and to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. So we think of Ezra, Nehemiah. We know Nehemiah was responsible for rebuilding, leading and rebuilding the walls. They're all contemporaries. 538 B.C., there's 50,000 Jewish people who returned to Jerusalem. And as they returned to Jerusalem under the leadership of Zerubbabel, the first thing they do is they begin to work on the temple because that was the purpose. God was returning them to their homeland to reestablish the priority, the focus of worship. Listen, God wanted to bring his glory present to the temple. The temple had been destroyed. So as they return, they immediately start building the temple. They lay the foundation of the temple, and then they get distracted. Twenty years later, just the foundation. They got busy doing all these other things, and they lost sight of the very reason God had them return to the city of Jerusalem, which was re restore worship, to rebuild the temple, and then furthermore, to restore the city of Jerusalem. So they're distracted. Twenty-year delay. God uses a prophet by the name of Haggai to bring a word of correction. Now think about this. Think about you have, you have this... Um, this dream home that you want to build. You're so excited. You jump in like both hands. You lay the foundation of the home. It's all ready to be built on, and then you get distracted. 20 years later, you've got nothing but a foundation. That's where the Israelites were at. And so God, again, uses the prophet Haggai to, um, so to speak, kick them in the rear. To get them back to action. And so let's pick up this story 
And Haggai chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. I'm going to read just a few verses this morning. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Notice verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, interesting, not my people. Notice, these people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses? Interesting. While this house, while God's house, remains a ruin. Now, I want you to catch the parallel here. For the Jewish people, it was restoring the temple, a physical structure, um, that would be the place that God wanted to reveal his glory through a people, the Jewish people. Today, we're living in the new covenant. Pastor Michelle led us in at time of communion, the new covenant. Today, it's not about the rebuilding of a physical building, a structure, a temple in Jerusalem. It's about you are the temple, right? First Corinthians chapter six, Paul says, you're the temple. You're the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. So what does God want to do? Hear me, friends. God wants to bring his glory present through your life, through you, the temple. God wants to men. That's what he wanted to do for the Jewish people. He wanted to reveal his blessing through a group of people as they focused on the priority of the worship in the temple so that the world would see what it looks like to experience the goodness of God. Today, in this time, you're the temple. Hear me, friend. God wants to reveal his glory. He wants to bring his kingdom present in your life. Listen, oftentimes we think of the kingdom as just being future, like one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to experience the kingdom, and that's true. But hear me. God wants to bring the kingdom now present in you, the temple. But oftentimes what happens is we have a bias to excuse, and the temple gets neglected. And it's the bias to excuse that leads us to disobedience that oftentimes causes us to miss the very thing that God would want to do in our lives. So catch the parallel. I want to make sure you see the parallel. There's a physical temple that Haggai is talking to the people about, but there's also the temple being you in the new covenant. And if we're not careful, as the Israelites had a bias to excuse, so we can have a bias to excuse. And in that, we become, we become the limiting factor of what God would want to do in our lives. You know, it's interesting, I, I mentioned in verse 2, God refers to his people using the distant form of these people. Interesting. Now, even during their time in Egypt, the people of Israel had been known as my people, but clearly the gap had widened between what God expected and what his people were living. There was an obvious distance between God and his people. And get this, it was not God who had moved. God was not the problem here. It was a people who, again, through their excuses, had distanced themselves from the very purpose that God had for them. The primary cause of the distance was because of their excuse that the time had not come to rebuild the temple. Interesting, they had time to do what they wanted 
And they had resources to do what they wanted, but they did not have the time or resources to do what God wanted them to do. Does that sound familiar? Possibly. Interesting today, we have time to play, but we don't have time to pray. We have good excuses, too, to make ourselves feel good about our disobedience. We have time for our hobbies, the things we enjoy, but we, we don't have time to read God's Word. We have resources for what we want, but, but we don't have resources to honor God with the tithe. We have resources to elevate our lifestyle, but we don't have resources to serve the poor. Sound familiar? Like the Israelites, we come up with, with all kinds of excuses. Remember, as, as the prophet Haggai is confronting the children of Israel concerning the rebuilding of the temple, like you, you laid the foundation, that's great, but like 20 year delay, you got distracted, you've been deceived. And what's the problem? Hey, now's the time to, to, to build the temple. And they had four excuses. And oftentimes I think it's the same excuses we even use today. The, their first excuse to, to, to Haggai is, you know, that the time's not right. Jews were saying, like, we have all these pressing issues that we need to give attention to. Someday the time will be right, but that's not now. Like, have you ever used that excuse? Like, the time's not right now. I'll do it someday. You know the problem with someday? We all know the problem with someday, right? Someday never comes. You know, God, I'll do it someday. God said, no, how about today? Us, oh, a someday guy. Someday, when I... When it's convenient and I can get it, someday I'll, I'll do it. And the first excuse is, is the time's not right, and they were stuck. They were stuck in their lives, and they were stuck in a hard place. This excuse, the time is not right. The Israelites also offered the second excuse. Here's the excuse. We don't have the resources. Like it's going to require money to buy product because you have to have product if you're going to do construction and we don't have product, we don't have the resources, therefore we can't do the work. Basically, they were saying to God, God, it's your fault. Like if you had given us resources, if we had God, if you would give us money, we'd have resources. And then we could have material and then we could build the temple. What's interesting, though, if you look back to verse 4, verse 4 says they're living in their paneled houses. Their own houses were paneled with beautiful cedar while the temple remained in ruins. See, the issue was not that they did not have the resources. The greater issue was misplaced priorities. And when you're trying to cover up your failure, you can come up with excuses. So their excuse was, we we don't have resources. Again, the the problem is not lack of resources. It It was misdirected priorities. They were more concerned about what they wanted rather than what God had directed. And my question for you this morning is, could that be true in your own life? Like you've been thinking there's not enough resources to be generous and live generous when you're misdirecting God's resources. And you're saying, I, I, I don't have enough resource. Here's a third excuse the Israelites offered. We have adversaries who would stop us if we tried. Like we would try, but you know, if we even if we tried, the adversaries would stop us. Now there's a bit of truth in this. If you if you read the book of Ezra, the book of Nehemiah, who were contemporaries of Haggai, you would know that there there were a couple people groups who actually didn't they didn't want to see 
the temple rebuilt. They didn't want to see the city of Jerusalem restored. So they were adversarial. They were opposition against the rebuilding. But again, basically, the Israelites are insulting God, saying, God, the adversaries are greater than you are. Like, we can't rebuild because we have adversaries, we have opposition, the opposition is greater than you are, therefore we can't do your work. The oftentimes, in our excuses, our excuses actually become insults to God. Statements against who God is. And statements against what God can do. Here's the final excuse that you may be able to identify with. I know I certainly can. The fourth excuse they've offered is we're too busy doing other projects. Basically, we're saying, you know, we have so many things happening in our lives that we don't have time to do what God wants us to do. Like Our personal projects are more important than God's projects. Because of misplaced priorities, like they had no space or or place for God. The excuse was, is we're too busy with other projects. I know for me personally, this has probably been my, uh, the excuse that I've used most often. And I know in my life, numerous times I've missed what I would call God opportunities. God opportunities, because when the opportunity came, my excuse was, God, I have too many other projects happening. My plate's too full. Too many other projects, most of them were good things. They were not bad things. They were good things. But in my commitment to the good things and being overwhelmed by the good things, I missed the God things. Because my excuse was, I had too many things going on. Too many irons in the fire. Plates too full. Too many projects. And again, ultimately what it becomes, it's an excuse. And in the excuse, you miss the God opportunity. See, we can come up with excuses that sound good, even excuses that make us, that make us feel good. And it, that's why we use excuses, is it relieves us, right? It, it relieves us from the feeling of responsibility. We, we, we make ourselves feel good because we're offering God, who knows it all. I mean, get this. Think about it. You're trying to fool God. I mean, think about that. Does that sound foolish? Like the God who knows it all, you're trying to... You're trying to do a deal with him, like you're trying to shuffle the cards on him. At the end of the day, the problem is, is that our excuses keep us from taking the action that we should take. That becomes the the root of the problem. You know, it was Matthew Henry who said, for the person who wills to do what is right, the time is always present. However, we mortals are ingenious when we wish to hide our delinquencies. That's so true. We're ingenious. We want to hide our delinquencies. Well, just as excuses were challenged for the Israelites that Haggai's confronting, so excuses become a challenge for us. So as I wrap this up this morning, I'm going to leave you really quick with four challenges. If you have a bias to excuse, or if you find yourself consistently making excuses when God's given clear direction... Let me tell you, friend, this is what it's going to do. It's going to create challenge in your life. It's going to challenge you in four different ways, in four different areas. So here's the four challenge. The first is this. When God gives clear direction, our excuses become an insult to God. 
an insult. You know, there's a passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 4. You can check this out later. But this is the passage where, where God is interacting with Moses, who's a shepherd, about being the deliverer for his people in Egypt. So God kind of catches Moses' attention with this burning bush thing. And, and he says, hey, Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to uh, confront Pharaoh. I want you to bring my people out of Egypt to the promised land I have for them. And Moses if, you, if you've read the story, you can check it out. If you haven't, Moses begins to offer all kinds of excuses. Like he has a whole bucket full of excuses. And one of the excuses he uses is, God, why don't you just get someone else? Like I'm slow of speech. I'm, I'm, my tongue gets tired. I stutter. I can't talk. Like why don't you get someone else? What an insult to God. I want you to listen to what God said to Moses. Exodus chapter 4. God says, who gave man his mouth? To Moses, he said, Moses, who gave you your mouth? So who makes the deaf or the mute? Who gives sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Moses' excuse was an insult to who God was and what he's able to do. And oftentimes I think we do the same. With our excuses, we're insulting God. It's like we're saying to God, either God, you're not able or what you're directing me to is really not important. Either way, your excuse, my excuse becomes a direct insult to God. For for example, when God directs you to act on generosity and to honor him with the tithe, the first part of your income, and your excuse to him is you don't have enough money, you don't have enough resource, what you're saying to the God who owns it all, And the God who's able to bring provision for your life, what you're saying to them is, God, you're not able. And you can paint that any way you want to paint it to make yourself feel good, to make yourself feel relieved. But at the end of the day, friend, this is what it is. It's an insult to God. You, the created, saying to the creator, you're not able. Or maybe, here's another, for example, let's say that, that God's directed you to teach a class or to lead a group or go serve the poor in some area, and you say to God, God, I would, but I'm just not able. Really? You're saying to the God who made you, the God who knows what he's put in you, you're saying to him that, that, he, that you're not able? And in that, what, you're insulting God. Again, the one who's given you the ability the one who's giving you the direction. So we need to understand, folks, that this excuse thing is not some small thing. It is an insult to the God who's made you. So think about that the next time you offer your excuse. That you're insulting the Creator. Here's a second challenge of excuses. Excuses can cause us to miss a God moment. A God moment. Like God opens a window of opportunity, and you miss it because you choose to offer an excuse rather than responding in obedience. You miss the opportunity. You know, there's two different Greek words for our English word time in the New Testament. There's chronos and there's kairos. Chronos is clock time, calendar time. Kairos is the time of opportunity. Kronos is about qualitative, um, Kairos is about qualitative. It's interesting in Ephesians 5.16 that the Apostle Paul wrote these words, redeem the time. 
And in that, he was not saying redeem the chronos. He was saying redeem the kairos. Redeem, make the most of every opportunity. And oftentimes when we make excuses, like God's setting us up for something that's amazing beyond what we could imagine. Maybe it's an opportunity to share faith with someone and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And get this, it changes their eternity forever. Or maybe he so positions you for a God moment so that you can reach out to someone who needs to experience the mercy of God through your compassion. Or maybe he positions you so that you could speak a word of wisdom into a young man or a young woman's life. And if you're not careful, it's the excuse that can keep you from the God moment, from the God opportunity, from the defining moment. That's, that's the danger. That's the challenge of excuses. Here's a third challenge of excuses, is that excuses can limit the potential that God's placed in your life and the plans he has for your life. Excuses become a limiting factor. Excuses become, if you can think of it like this, a lid on your life. And what we know is that God created Mankind, God created humanity in his likeness, right? So everyone in this room today, you were created in the image and likeness of God. Are you with me? Genesis 1.26. God said, let us, speaking to the Trinity, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And one of the words we use to define God is omnipotent, meaning God is all potential. We've been created in the image and likeness of God. That means, my friend, that God has placed potential in your life. From the very point of conception, potential. Not only has he placed great potential in your life, but according to his word, he has great plans for your life. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. God's placed great potential within you. He has great plans for you. But if you're not careful, if you have a bias to excuse, you can limit the very potential God's placed in your life. And you can limit the plans he has for your life. And at the end of the day, hear me, friends, it's no one else's fault but yours. You had a bias to excuse. We see this playing out in Numbers 13 and 14. You can jot that down, read the story later. But here are the Israelites. They're on the edge of the promised land, ready to go into the promised land, the future, the inheritance, the great future that God had for them. It's theirs. All they have to do is go in and possess the land. If you remember, they sent some spies in. The spies bring back, ten of the spies bring back a negative report. And in Numbers 13 and 14, you find the Israelites making all kinds of excuses as to why they can't go into the land. And they spent the next 40 years wandering around the wilderness. Hear me, friend. That was not God's plan. That was a result of their excuses that led them to disobedience. But the excuse limited the potential and the plan of what God had for them. Listen, same will be true in your life. Now is the time to move beyond excuse. Excuses. Here's the final challenge really quick of excuses. Is that excuses can cause you to miss the blessing of obedience. 
Hear me. There's a blessing that comes with obedience. There's a blessing. There's a favor that God wants to bring to your life. And it's connected to obedience. And it's consistent from Genesis to Revelation. This is a consistent truth you'll find in God's word is that obedience opens your life to God's blessings. Disobedience closes your life to God's blessings. Old covenant, new covenant, Genesis to Revelation, the principle is true through the whole book. Obedience opens your life to God's blessings. Disobedience closes your life. And it's interesting, going back to the book of Haggai, that's exactly where the children of Israel, they had all of these excuses as to why they were not responding to God's direction, as to why they were not building the temple. And I want you to notice what's happening in their lives as a result of their excuses that's led them to disobedience. Listen to how the scripture reads, going back to Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, the latter part of verse 5 and into verse 6. Haggai says to them, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, consider your ways. Look around you. Evaluate your situation. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. Interesting. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have you feel. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Interesting. In other words, Haggai says, hey, it's not going so well for you. You're in a frustrated place. You're in a place of famine. You're working harder, but you have less. Putting your money in a purse, it's like it's got holes in it. So you're walking, your money's just falling out. What's the problem? It's their excuses that's led them to disobedience that's closed their lives to that of God's blessing. And that's the challenge, friend. The challenge of excuses is it calls you to miss the blessing. There's a blessing. Again, hear me, friend. God wants to bring His glory present in your life. Every day. Every day. Just as he did for the Jewish people, so he wants to bring his glory, his kingdom, present in your life and for your life. Listen, listen, folks. Excuses are not your friend. They may make you feel relieved in the moment, but in the long run, they will cost you. They become a limiting factor in your life and they can rob you of God's work and God's blessing. So rather than having a bias to excuses, we need to have a bias to action. Listen, we need to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. We need to choose the path of obedience, not the escape of excuses. So let me leave you with this question this morning. What excuse do you need to confront in your own life? Or what excuse says? Now is the time. Now is the time to move beyond excuse. Say, God, here I am. I'm willing. I'm available. Here I am. I want to have a bias to action. God, when you speak, I want to move. It's not you speaking. I'm going to offer an excuse. God, bring your kingdom present in mind. So what excuse or excuse it? This is a great time, first of the year, to talk about excuses, right? 
Like what excuse is keeping you from taking care of your physical body? Like an exercise plan, a diet plan. What excuse is keeping you from taking care of your temple? What excuse is keeping you from engaging God in a greater way in your life? What excuse is it that you need to confront? Now is the time to move beyond excuse, to open your life in a greater way to God in His work. Amen? Lord, tonight, today, we ask that you would forgive us. Because, Lord, in our humanity, what I know, because I live with me all the time, what I know is that we have this tendency to offer excuse. We have, at times, a bias toward excuse, not a bias toward action. So, God, forgive us. Lord, we start there. Forgive us, God, for ways that we have limited or ways that we are limiting what you would want to do in our lives. Lord, as we look to the children of Israel, we can see so much of how they were responding in our own lives. We offer excuses like, now's not the time. I don't have the resources. I'm not able. And Lord, all of that becomes an insult to you. So God, forgive us. Forgive us for insulting you with her excuses. And Lord, as we come to this new year, Lord, my prayer for everyone in the room today is that we would have a bias to action. You speak, we move. You speak, we say yes. You speak, we step out in faith. Lord, what I know is, again, you want to bring your kingdom present now. You want to bring your glory present now. You want to bring your favor present now. In our lives. May we make way for it. So Holy Spirit help us. In this coming week. When we have a tendency to offer an excuse. Would you convict us? Would you correct us? And rather than bringing the excuse. May we respond in obedience. Lord may our lives again be marked by a bias. To action following your direction. Holy Spirit, help us to walk this out, I pray, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, in our lives. That we might honor you and that we might open a way in a greater way that you could work in our lives and through our lives for your glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.